Now beginning transmission 142. Death of the family. File under family drama. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater ブライアン、ジェレマイア、アダム、アンタッド。ドリュースとキュリスライトウォッチメイクアトラクターカホリックルビンス。They Shut up, Pork. You need to take a drink anytime Manny Bothans makes an appearance and I get groans and fuck yous from Adam and Maya. Fuck Manny Bothans! Manny Bothans is pure genius. Take a drink anytime someone refers to me as the cum dumpster. Take a drink every time the shame bell makes an appearance. Shame! Also, take a drink anytime uh, we act like the member berries from South Park. Remember when they were on South Park? I'm a member. Yeah, and take a drink every time we do the bad German accent, yeah. Ah, drink, fucker. If you have any suggestions for rules you would like to add, email us at funnybooksandfirewater@gmail.com or use the contact link on our website, funnybooksandfirewater.com. Uh, hey, and welcome to episode 142 of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. This week we are finishing up our month of family drama just in time for Christmas. And this we are doing this with uh, Death of the Family, the Batman book by uh, Rob, or not Rob Snyder. I don't know why I once said Rob Snyder. Scott Snyder. <laughs> wow. That would have been a very different book. Uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and Jonathan Glapion, Glapion, something like that. And, and James Tiny in the fourth. He wrote the backups. Yeah. Oh, did he write the backups? Yeah. Uh, well, some of them. Some of them are... No, no, he wrote all the backup stories. So, like, where the story actually ends in each issue and there's an extra, like, four or yeah. five-page story, that's all James Tinian. Well, some of mine are credited as, as Scott Snyder he, in my book. He came up with the story, but James Tinian scripted it. Okay, anyway, well, we'll get into that. Panel intro. So, a uh, matter of business, uh, or jumping into uh, introductions, everyone is here. We've also heard his lovely, sultry voice. He's already here, Mr. Maya. Hello, it's Maya. <laughs> I was like, are you going to intro after that? No, I'm, Hello. No, I'm good. That's, you're good? Just, if, Hello. If you don't know who he is by now, you haven't yeah. been paying attention. Yeah. Wow. I'm on, twi- I'm, Maya phone- I'm on Twitter at Mr. Maya or uh, Instagram at the Mr. Maya, or you can follow my cat on either at It's the Jonesy. 
And then, of course, uh, the CD himself. We have <laughs> Mr. I'm trying, like, it's not CDA. I have to make sure I leave the A out. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Adam. Uh, I do stuff with Big Shiny Robot. Occasionally stuff with the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. And, uh, also over at Cinema Queens with our good friend Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Uh, and curating our Grinder Scruff and Tights with the Z account. And as we record this, I am running towards the end of screener season, which I'm way far behind on. Uh, yesterday alone, I got 19 movies from Netflix. Wow. Yeah, and I've got four more packages coming today. So I'm, we're, all of us are kind of <clears throat> uh, panicking a little bit. So, <laughs> Wait, so Netflix sends you screeners? Yeah, so what they, to be eligible for like, awards and stuff, they just have to play it like a theater once. So yeah. they'll send us stuff that's not out yet. So, for instance, the Mowgli movie, it's coming out later this this week or next week, but uh-huh. uh, they sent me a DVD of it just so I can watch it, which it doesn't matter because uh, Into the Spider-Verse is going to win all the awards. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I'll do a brief review of that, too, at the end if you want. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it's I just got a ton of stuff I got to watch, and I've got a week to do it, so I'm, we're all panicking a bit. Okay. Oh, also, by the way, uh, our last episode of Cinema Queens, like I talked about the many Bothans died for our sins, and at least we're not Cinema Queens. Uh-huh. And if we make shirts, he definitely wants to order one. So Okay, which one? The uh, many Bothan dies for our sins, or at least we're not Cinema Queens? Or maybe we make this them all is, as one shirt. Uh, at least we're not Cinema Queens. Although he said, what he, uh, he and Clark were saying what we should do is make a shirt that says, well, we are Cinema Queens, and on the back says something about microwave come. And sell them at Pride. Yeah, there we go. And Mr. Todd is not joining us this week. He seems to think that it's a better idea to be hanging out with his wife while she is in labor as we speak right now. Oh, is she in labor right now? She's still in labor right now. Well, I mean, I'm still trying to induce. I have, I've, I've been very uh, hands off as far as text messages go. I, I sent him a text message last night. I got a response this morning saying still waiting, and I went, okay, I'm just going to leave it at that because normally Todd's pretty good about getting back to me. He obviously didn't get back to me for a while. Well, we can tell he's just not dedicated enough, because if he really was, he'd just be there with his <laughs> phone, and he'd be calling in. Well, I did send him the link to log in if he really <laughs> wanted to. I, I thought we were going to like set up in the room while it was happening, and then we just go, hi, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, fuck you all. <laughs> Maybe for Todd's second child, but I don't think they're going to let us do it for the first. So, did they, uh, Have they f- picked a name yet? Because I know they were still I, thinking... I don't know. I really so Todd loves torturing his family and his friends, and so he has been making up horrible names and telling people that's what he's going to name the child just to watch them cringe and freak out. And I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's also a wise decision not to tell people what you're going to name the kid because then you're going to get all sorts of opinions before you actually make it. Just fucking name exactly, the kid and yeah. don't tell anybody anything. So, um, so I don't know. The last time I talked to them, they were seriously considering a name I'd given them, which I thought was pretty awesome, but. Uh, We'll see what ends up happening. So anyway. Oh, and hey, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based out of Southern California. And uh, I was was just telling you guys, uh, I I will actually be in Utah speaking at a theater conference. Um, I'm not exactly sure which day. I know. Well, no. So I'm coming out to see Todd and the baby and then record some live episodes with you guys. Um, And I happen to, uh, I get a text message the day that I booked all that saying, hey, if I pitch this panel for the what utah theater association would you be willing to like skype in and do this and i said what days are they and it happened to be the days that i was going to be there and i said why don't i just come in and do it live i'll come in for an hour and just do that so i'll be i'll do it live fuck it i'll do it live yeah i can't say that to these poor poor kids so i'll be trying to uh warn high schoolers about a career in, in theater i guess or something i don't know promoting it i guess to a certain extent but 
Anyway, that's aside from the point. So, uh, yeah. Book intro. Uh, this is actually volume three of Scott Snyder's run in the Batman universe. I'm trying to think what else. What needs to my what needs to be known before this? What happens in the world? Uh, just when the new Fifty Two happened in the other Batman book, Detective Comics, the Joker escaped prison and uh, cut off his face and left it pinned up on the wall, like you do. Yeah, he had the doll maker help him do that, and he left it in Arkham, and then he disappeared. And they let's see, he makes a slight appearance overlooking Gotham City Police Building in Detective Comics number twelve. Um, I have the Wikipedia up in front of me. Just I'm not that clever. Um, and the story also represents uh, events depicted in Batman the Killing Joke, Batman the Man Who Laughs, and Batman Death in the Family. We are reading Death of the Family. Uh, that got a little confusing even in our discussions of trying to figure out what we are going to actually be doing. My application. Well, so since he's not here, Mr. Maya, do you want to actually give us a myification of this? Uh, Batman? <laughs> I would say horror as well. This one I actually think justifiably mm-hmm. classifies yeah. as horror. If they were to make this into a film, it would Thriller. be like a, it would be a saw movie, man. Like it would be like there's a lot of death and a lot of creepiness, and this this is probably one of the more horrific of Batman books in my opinion. Yeah, um, what was interesting was I when I, I realized we told me we wouldn't do this. Uh, Brian Young from Big Shiny Robot, uh, he actually is uh, old friends with Scott Snyder, and so he oh, interviewed really? him about this about Death of the Family. And this was years and years ago, uh, where I was doing a lot of transcriptions for people when they did interviews. So I did the whole transcription with it, and he published a story about it. And I've been looking everywhere trying to find it, but uh, right now I can't. I was if I can find it while we're recording, I'll put some snippets of what Scott Snyder was looking to do with this story. But uh, as of right now, I can't find it. Okay. Drinking game. Uh, Mr. Maya, what is your drinking game for this week? Uh, my drinking game is called The Joke's On You, and that's actually directed towards our listeners, because it is every time the Joker laughs, take a drink, fuckers. You are a mean, mean person. Okay, uh, mine is called The Name Game, which is take a drink whenever a member of the Bat family is mentioned. Uh, this also includes Alfred and Commissioner Gordon, just for those of you who want to keep track of all that. Uh, not quite as mean as Maya's, but uh, pretty mean. Uh, and Mr. Adam. Uh, mine is called Sweet Nothings, so whenever the Joker refers to Batman is something other than Batman. Like, so like Darling. Darling or Bats or that kind of stuff. Yeah. Validity votes. So then let's jump into votes as to whether or not we feel like it is worth our dear listeners' hard-earned time, money, and effort to uh, read this book and hunt it down. It's not hard to hunt down. It only came out a few years ago. So and it's only the only thing that's weird about it is it's a volume three. So for those of you who are completionists, you're going to want to have one and two, which is the Court of Owls saga, which is good stuff anyway. So that's fine, I guess. So what are your votes Mr. Adam. Uh, yes. Mr. Maya. Uh, absolutely less. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Absolutely Lashley. yes, along with all of Scott Snyder's Batman run. I will say yes to this, but I will disagree with you on some of Scott Snyder's run, but that's a totally different issue. Playlist. Uh, then let's jump into playlists as to what songs we feel like we uh, could play on this. I added a last-minute one that I haven't told you guys about. So I will start with my first one. Um, I'm doing... Uh, it's a Family Affair by Mary J. Blige, just because I'm kicking it old school today. Also kicking it old school, Mr. Maya. Uh, yeah, I went with Psycho Killer by The Talking Heads. More old school than either of us, I think, Mr. Adam. Uh, institutionalized by Suicidal Tendencies. And just because I want you to have these two songs back-to-back in a playlist, w- with Institutionalized, I want you to put in Drive Me Crazy by Britney Spears. <laughs> 
Uh, also, I just found the interview, so I will find any interesting tidbits that I can throw in. Cool, that sounds good. Final warnings. Do we have any final warnings we want to give to people before we go into this book into spoiler territory? We are breezing through this without Todd to distract us. Yeah, apparently. um, just what we already said, this is a very mature, very twisted, yeah, very disgusting arc. I mean, it's it's the Joker as as most Jokeriest that I think I've seen in a long time. But it's definitely messed up. It's, it's the Joker is a horror villain for sure. You know, um, unfortunately, I was looking to see if my trade had like a a teen rating or a whatever a Batman I, I like a in the individual issues they would have been rated like T plus or T. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I I'm not seeing that on here, but I was looking for that to see if there was a guiding uh, factor on there somewhere. But uh, no, unfortunately, there is nothing there to help you out. So you've been warned. I, I mean, it's very good. It's just dark and creepy and gritty and kind of fucked up in a fucked up kind of way but if you're listening to this show and listening to us you're probably okay with something a little bit fucked up so and you're probably okay with batman so that's how it goes um anything else no No. that's about it this might be a short episode (laughs) it might be that's which is weird because normally we do short episodes well short episodes are either on books that we hate and don't want to talk about or actually no they're it's long episodes or books we hate because we we sort of stall in trying to get to uh, what we're trying to talk about and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff but uh so this week, maybe maybe we'll actually. I have an idea. I will rush through the summary really quickly, and then uh, we will get right into the discussion of the book. How does that sound? Perfect. So, yep. So we'll do that very quickly. We'll try to get through a summary really fast, and then get into the analysis uh, as quickly as possible, so we can chat about this book because I think that's what everyone's chomping at the bit to do a little bit. So, um, yeah, we will see you on the flip side. <laughs> If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Hey there! Are you queer or some variation of it? Well, I'm Chris, and this is my co-host, Adam. And welcome to Cinema Queens, where we talk about queer cinema. Each week, we watch beloved queer classics, discuss them, review them, and cover a whole cluster of topics from our favorite scenes, what they mean to us, how it relates to our current world, and the best part, the cherry on top of the sundae happens to be... Gay rant! So prepare your ear holes! Hey, listen to us queens talk cinema. New episodes drop every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Bye-bye! So I have this off of Wikipedia, so this will hopefully get us through the... Uh, Plot summary. Pretty quickly. So, uh, Joker Marks has returned to Gotham City by attacking GCPD and recovering his preserved face, uh, killing 19 police officers in the process. He later televises a warning via the son of the first recorded victim that Mayor Hardy will die that night, referencing another of his earliest crimes. However, the police assigned to protect Hardy... Uh, are killed in a combination of chemicals while Hardy survives. Batman analyzes the chemical compound and finds that there's an inert ingredient whose initials spell out ACE, as in ACE chemicals, which lead him to the ACE chemical plants. He encounters a person dressed as a Red Hood, one of Joker's aliases, and uh, is struck by an oversized mallet that pushes him into an empty chemical vat. The Red Hood reveals herself to be Harley Quinn and warns Batman that Joker is not the same. Batman manages to escape the vat uh, before it can fill with chemicals. Elsewhere, the Joker attacks Alfred Pennyworth. Each issue of Batman also contains a backup story in Batman 13. The story sees Joker preparing Harley to meet Batman at the chemical plant. 
then, after Batman returns home and learns Alfred's uh, kidnapping, the clues lead him to believe that Commissioner Gordon is the Joker's next target. Batman saves Gordon after Joker poisons him with a powerful blood thinner. Uh, he then goes to the Gotham Re- Reservoir, the place where he first faced off with the Joker. Uh, Bat- the villain reveals that he has already uh, reenacted his earlier crimes, killing several people, blowing up the reservoir, injuring Nightwing. The Joker mobilizes Batman and states his plan to kill each of the Bat's aliases, believing uh, him to have made Batman weak. Joker claims to know the true identities. In the backup story, the Joker invites Penguin to an event that is orchestrated at Arkham Asylum. Batman frees himself and attacks the Joker, but is paralyzed by the Joker's venom, allowing the Joker to escape. Batman is recovered by the Bat family and taken to the Batcave, where he confesses uh, that after an earlier battle with the Joker, he discovered a Joker playing card in the Batcave. He dismisses the idea that Joker has found the cave, and the family fears the Joker knows their identities and blames Batman for concealing such a possibility. Uh, later, Batman interrogates an Arkham guard who admits that Joker is waiting for him in uh, the asylum. As he ventures into the asylum, his internal dialogue, re- dialogue reveals that the uh, movements he had previously seen in the Joker's eyes when they met indicated love. Uh, in the backstory, Joker is shown having uh, taken over the asylum, meeting uh, up with an institutionalized Riddler. Uh, Batman encounters Mr. Freeze, Scarecrow, and Clayface. Batman finds Joker with Two-Face Riddler, the Penguin. But before he can stop them, Joker shows uh, him a video of Nightwing, uh, Robin, Red Hood, Batgirl, and uh, Red uh, Red Robin. Joker orders Batman to take his place in his throne and electric chair to spare their lives. Batman does so, receiving an electric shock. In the backup story, Two-Face demands to be included in Batman's death, but Joker traps him behind bars alongside of the Penguin and the Riddler. Joker hosts a mock dinner in the caves leading to the Batcave. Batman and his aliases have been bound, doused with gasoline. The Joker is warning against escaping at the risk of agitating the flint in the cave. Everyone in the Bat family, save for Batman, has also been bandaged. And uh, a brainwashed Alfred serves them uh, mm-hmm. a cloche, which is like that those covers with the food. Uh, seemingly containing their own severed faces. Uh, when Joker threatens to ignite the gasoline, Batman escapes, triggering a blaze, but uses explosives and his knowledge of the cave system to blow out, uh, open the roof, and the rush of water comes down to douse the flames. When he flees, uh, others take their bandages off, revealing that the faces, uh, they still have their faces. Batman pursues the Joker to the edge of a large drop. Batman claims that he knows the Joker's true identity. As Batman threatens to whisper it in his ear, Joker jumps over the edge and falls out of sight. His face separated from him, Batman finds the notebook which Joker claimed held the secret identities of the Bat family, but he discovers it's blank. Meanwhile, the Bat family are gassed into attacking each other, but manage to fight out the gas's influence. Later in Wayne Manor, Batman tells a recovering Alfred that after finding the Joker playing card in the cave, he confronted Joker uh, about an Arkham Asylum as Bruce Wayne. Joker failed to acknowledge him as Batman, realizing he did not care who Batman was under the mask. Uh, members of the Bat family declined to meet with Batman. Uh, later, Batman studies the chemical makeup the Joker used uh, of the gas the Joker used on the bat family and finds it to have an inert isotope with the chemical plant compound HA, as in ha, DOS, and but yeah, so that's the the big Sparknotes version of uh, what goes on in this analysis. Mr. Maya, I know you're a fan of Scott Snyder's writing, so uh, why don't you uh, start us off there? Okay, uh, no, I really enjoyed this. Um... You know, I like the Cordell stuff before this, but it wasn't until this story that I really like was like, okay, this this guy's onto something when he was writing Batman. And it kind of kind of boils down to, at least when it comes to the the family uh, drama aspect, just kind of boils down to, uh, you know, don't keep secrets. Uh, 
I mean, that's a bit, mm-hmm. that's essentially what drove. Because at the end of this, we see, you know, no one wants to talk to Bruce. No one wants to help him. They, they're all kind of doing their own thing because they're all hurt. Um, and it mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of drove the the Bat family apart. Uh, even though, uh, at least from my understanding or from what it appears, Bruce was right. The jo- the Joker didn't know anything. Yeah, but he. Sh- should yeah. have still told them like hey he might know who you are like be careful uh but bruce being yeah. bruce decided to not tell anyone yeah he he was being the strong silent type to a, a negative degree and sort of i mean because he always kind of flows on his own as well like the whole bat family thing like i kind of get it but it's also like and i and todd i know is i mean is a huge batman fan so he can probably talk about all the different bat family aspects but um, he always seems to be alone, and then this sets him up to be sort of a lone wolf for a lot of the rest of Snyder's run, anyway. Yeah, and and it was like I think it was right after this is when they briefly killed off Damien for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So he really was alone because everyone else, all, everyone else had their own book. So you know, Jason had Red Hood and the Outlaws, Batgirl had her own book, Nightwing had his own book. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, this this whole uh, scenario on top of losing Damien right after this kind of drove Batman to uh, being very, very much alone. Uh, Mr. Adam, we sort of interrupted you for a second. No, no, it's fine. Well, I mean, I, was it, I think we actually, you know, speaking of Batman, kind of always doing his own thing, kind of his lone wolf, uh, wasn't it back in War Games, actually, where we made a drinking game out of it, where every time Batman says, no, I'll do it myself, don't yep. worry. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, that was pretty much the entire thing of like, oh, no, I got this. And oh, that, yeah, I got this. That's, I got like, this. that's like the, what always causes drama in the Bat family is Bruce's inability to let others in or help others or include others in in the problems. Yeah, it it seems to be Batman's biggest weakness is actually opening up to other people. You know? He should probably see a therapist then. He should. (laughs) He should see a therapist for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons he should see a therapist, yes, for sure. Yeah, so Uh, I I remember I I read this in single issues when it came out, because I was, you know, that's when I had the whole with a million comics in it, and I remember getting to the end and kind of feeling like it was anticlimactic, but reading it again this time, I think it kind of connected better, and it was also a better story to read all at once than trying to, you know, remember what happened from month to month. Month, I, I originally read it month to month, and it was there's very much. This is one of those that does read better in the trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I've always so the Joker's always been my favorite uh, villain in DC and maybe even Marvel. I mean, it's his dichotomy between him and Batman. Yeah. Always just play, play off each other so well as being the perfect foil for Batman, and <clears throat> the fact that you know Batman won't kill him because he's afraid of you know he'll, he kills one he'll keep killing. Whereas the Joker's like, no, he's like, I don't think it's one that you think it's you. You would like this because I'm, and I love the whole thing with family. Like, yeah, you've got the bad family, but they're holding you back because your fear and love for them is what's keeping you from really exceeding. And I, I'm your real family because I'm the one who understands you and keeps it going. And by not killing me, you're letting me win. And like, it was just. You know the, and a little bit when I, I found the interview with Scott Snyder, we talked a little bit about the you know, the horror aspect of this book. Is as much much fucked up stuff has happened. Like you know, like the, the Joker sends a horse on fire over towards Batman, and like does all kinds of fucked up things. In the span of about four pages, it really wasn't good for like two horses because then Mister Freeze froze the one that he was riding up the stairs yeah. and like shattered its head off. So yeah, so as much fucked up and horrible things happen. It's all about the way that the Joker gets into Batman's head and just fucks with him that way because, yeah, but Batman may be keeping things from the Bat family. He is doing it out of a sense of, you know, of keeping them alive and keeping them safe. 
but as we said before, that always seems to kind of backfire mm-hmm. and bites him in the ass. And it's something I don't think he's ever really learned and may never learn. He always has the, the best intentions of, of doing what's right for them, but it's what's wrong for everyone. It's wrong for everyone. But I, I can kind of see where he's coming from, too, because that's always been my thing. Like, I've always, you know, been the one who's like, I can suffer the slings and arrows of life as long as we'll protect those around me. But in the long run, that's not always good for them because you may be stunting their growth or keeping them from helping you out. And for me, I don't think it was so much a pride issue of letting people help me, but it just, I've always done it myself. And so now that I'm in a position where I do need some help with certain things, um, it's really a foreign concept to have people offer or do that because I'm just uncomfortable with it because I don't know how to accept that. And I, could, I definitely saw a lot of myself in the way he was treating the Bat family because it's, it is humbling to have, ask for or receive help and, you know, knowing the Bruce Wayne of who he is and where he came from, it's he's been on his own his whole life except for Alfred. Yep. So. Well, and it's interesting too that the first person that the Joker takes out is the person the Batman has relied on the entire time. You know what I mean? And it's the only person the Batman has relied his, on. He, he his makes father, reference. It is essentially as a father, and he makes reference to uh, how quiet and lonely it is on the road. Because like, you think about Batman being alone all the time, and then you realize like, when he's doing those long drives between Gotham and back to the, the manor and all that kind of stuff, he's talking to Alfred. And so that's I think that's part of what really throws him off, is that the only person he's really, truly trusted is taken... I don't remember where I was. Oh, but like I, I just think it's like that's part of what throws... Bruce Wayne off in the very beginning is the fact that his father figure and the only person he really trusts is gone already. You know what I mean? And he's had some trust in everybody else. And it might be just one of those things of like he, his automatic reaction always seems to be if I've trusted them and they've gotten hurt, then they're in danger. So I can't trust them anymore. Um, And so uh, I think that has something to do with, uh, with why he acts. I mean, he always acts this way, but a little bit more into why he's acting the way he is in this particular book. This idea of cutting off the fucking face and then putting it back on, A, I think is both a brilliant and disgustingly disturbing move. Um, I actually was talking to, or not talking to, I was uh, at, uh, with my friend Jason, we were at uh, LA Comic Con, and Greg Capullo was doing a little bit of a spotlight interview, and they talked about how over the course of these issues, um, going well beyond this, the, uh, the the face starts to, you know, deteriorate and has bugs mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff and how much he kind of loved doing that. But I think that that art and that face really adds to the horror aspect of it. Well, um, and, and I had kind of forgotten just kind of the look of it because I thought he had actually, like, pinned it back onto his face. But it was it was on uh, a... He had attached it like to a, a strap yeah. and was wearing it like a mask. Yeah. Which, I mean, it sort of adds to the creepiness factor to it as well. You know what yeah. I mean? I guess the other interesting thing is is that the Joker, some of his tortures or his threatening of tortures are things that he is, are, have, have done to himself. You know what I mean? Is, is uh, your like, cat playing with something? Ba- okay. Yes, she is. She I just, didn't know if that was your really cat or my cat. No, it was my cat. She just found a button <laughs> and she's been like chasing this button all over the place. Um, and I was like trying to subtly like put my copy of my graphic novel over the top of the button before she could get to it and still talk at the same time and it didn't work at all so Bob Dole did he's not got age well so Batman but so Batman back to Batman so um, I just want to get people's takes on the, the the ideas of like some of these tortures and these things that that uh, like the Joker jokes at doing these or not jokes but he claims to do all these horrible hideous things including one of the worst is claims to have cut the faces off the entire bat family which is something that he did to himself so it's just sort of interesting that the joker sees doing one thing to himself is okay but somehow has restraint not to do it to somebody yeah, else I re- I remember you know what the, I mean? the very first time i read this and i got to that scene i was like oh fuck did he really do that oh yeah. shit uh 
and I was relieved to see that because I was like, how are they like? How are they gonna fix that? Well, I mean, they'll they'll. They're superheroes. They got you know medical technology at the Watchtower. They can reattach their faces as long as the faces are still intact. Uh, and then come to find out, it was just all a, a head fuck. And uh, yeah. I just remember that really kind of fucking with me and causing me a little bit of anxiety while reading it the first time. Which, but I do think that would be an amazing horror movie element. You know what I mean? Like that scene in the caves would be a pretty fucking epic finale for a film mm-hmm. you know uh yeah my what i'm uh, not my uh, mr adam Maya and i have talked majority of this what are your thoughts uh, so <clears throat> again it just goes back to the psychological aspect of you know getting more into the, the joker's psyche you know the the story is that you know he he's the one who corrupted harley quinn because she was his, his doctor and then he's fucked with her head i remember a long time ago there was a novelization of some i think it might have been an original batman story but eddie was reading it and there's a like a paragraph where he's at Arkham and he's with this like medical student and the student asks the Joker to tell her about his like his hopes and dreams. It's like the student went home and committed suicide that night. I mean, cause we, mm-hmm. we, as much as we've seen the Joker do fucked up things, you know, most people, the worst one they can picture is like the Heath Ledger Joker from The Dark Knight. They don't really see him as a psychotic madman that he is. And even in the, in the mm-hmm. comics, you don't always get that as you know, this is full bore as you get it here. I mean, this is yeah. after he'd been gone for a year because we hadn't seen him since he cut his face off in Detective Comics, and it 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 just jumped into that madhouse and went with it. And I, I love the part where he's uh, when he's fucking around with like the Penguin, Riddler, and Two Face, and he just destroys Two Face. Like I mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Two Face took his coin and went home. <laughs> he was yeah. there was nothing left mm-hmm. of that, and it was just interesting to see you guys as smart as the Riddler is, as cunning as the Penguin is, and as ruthless as two-face are they're really two-bit villain villains in comparison to with the joker and what he can do that being said they're generally more um successful at what they do because they're going after personal gain or this and that uh whereas the joker just i think the best thing to say is he just wants to see the world burn and he's the living embodiment of well, chaos yeah he is and i feel like um Heath Ledger's Joker is damn near endearing and cuddly compared to this one. Oh yeah, there's even even you, like even like Killing Joke Joker is nice compared to this. Yeah, this one is just sort of like I'm just gonna fuck with you and I'm gonna fuck with you as much as I possibly can. Like, but the thing that's scary about him is is that like, I, and I think there's an interesting conversation that uh, um, Commissioner Gordon and Batman have at one point in time where uh, Commissioner Gordon says something that affects us early on in the book, where with a normal, with normally what goes on with these supervillains is, is a general detective or a good, a decent detective can kind of figure out what the next step is going to be. But the Joker is so random, you can't trace him. And like even Batman thinks he knows what his next step is. He sees like, oh, he's redoing his original crimes. So he thinks he's going to go and stop him, but he's already committed the crimes. He's like already one or two steps ahead of yeah. Batman at that well, point. Well, the one thing, like, like having and, the guys in the trees that, that shot him when they were on the... On the bridge. On the bridge. Well, and the uh-huh. one thing I didn't catch the first time that I, I did this time around was so, I mean, the one thing that I think sticks out to everyone is that living tapestry where they sewed yeah. all those people together, yeah. put tubes in their stomachs so they could live, and then had, you know, the scenes like Death and the Family and, you know, this mm-hmm. these iconic moments between Batman and Joker. And then at the end, the, all the people who are lives are you know, like saying like, hail to the king or hail to the Joker, or was it, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch it the first time I read it, but that was like, oh shit, these people willingly did that. Like, this is something they yeah. chose to do to help mm-hmm. them out. And like, yes, you're in Arkham and you've got crazy people there. But that fucked me a little bit more because I, the first time I saw it, I just didn't catch that and thought they were just dead. Um, but mm-hmm. just like, holy shit, like, just to be that messed up that you would allow yourself to be mutilated in such a horrible way that, yeah, that that, that really just grossed me out. And 
gave me the willies. Well, and, and in the first first issue, uh, in the backup story, I think the first real indication that we were dealing with a completely different Joker was Harley saying, he's he's not my Mr. J. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, yeah. He's... Stop him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a different person than he used to be. There's something messed up and gone wrong. Um, actually, the one thing I'll, I... So this interview that Brian Young did with Scott Snyder, there's... Uh, an interesting thing he was saying that when Greg drew the, the human tapestry, that uh, when Scott mm-hmm. was writing the dialogue, he actually had to have a couple extra um, ba- Batman saying "my God" a couple times so he could cover up some of the things on the tapestry because it was too graphic. <clears throat> I was like, "What oh, could really? be worse?" But uh, the one thing I really liked is that uh, Brian says, "You know, it doesn't feel like you're pulling any punches." And so Scott Snyder said, "Well, we're trying really hard to make it pure horror, and for me, pure horror really isn't gory or grotesque or shocking." So much that it's stuff that is psychologically and emotionally terrifying. So the horror of a scene like the tapestry scene, for me at least, the grotesquerie of the bodies. I mean, that's definitely horrible, but the fact that these people are willing participants somehow in this horrifying plan the Joker has, and have sort of mutilated themselves in service of his plan, and that sort of crazy devotion in this madhouse he has created, in the sense of this being a castle where everyone you look is something that reflects upon you and your history with the Joker, in a way that's both, in the Joker's mind, a celebration, and in your mind, an accusation of failure. Um, that's the sort of horror we're getting on the page. So, again, it was just, it was a huge mental mind fuck for Batman because, yeah, he's being faced left and right with every single thing that he's done wrong and failed his family and Gotham and the world kind of uh, because he's let this madman live and he's faced with an impossible choice of, you know, letting letting the Joker win or killing him, which in the end would let the Joker win as well. And I also loved at the end that you know the way he made the Joker leap off that ledge was he just pulled his own trick on himself where he's like yep. he's like oh well, I know who you are and goes to whisper his name he's like no he's like because that's that's going to break the game that's going to break you know knowing too much about each other means we can't keep on doing this and that's what the Joker lives for and like that, like Batman even said like he went to Arkham one time as Bruce Wayne and found the Joker and held up the playing card says you left this at my at my cave and he's like the Joker he looked at me but he didn't see me because yeah. he can't he can't allow himself to know who I am or let me know who he is because that would just break the spell. And wasn't it in was it Batman 150 or something like that that he did find the name of the Joker? Like he, there was like this mystical artifact that he put on again, like the powers of a god, and uh, they were announced that, well, like Justice League like 150, that, yeah. I think. Or it was it was just it was would have been like Justice League 50. It was um, when Batman had the powers of uh, Metron from the New Gods. Yeah, but that's also when he first saw that there were three Jokers. Oh, so he only found what one of them was? Uh, I don't... Th- I mean, they never told us. Oh, they, they didn't tell yeah. us? Okay. I thought that... Because that was the big thing they were pushing to get everyone to buy it, was that... Oh, you know, he's going to find a Joker's name, but... He might have... I don't remember. It's been a while since I've Yeah, that. actually, it says, um, what's the Joker's true name? His eyes light up, and he's like, no, that's not possible. And that's about all they do with it. Oh, it didn't give him a name. Okay. It said there were three. Yep. Yeah. Which we're getting uh, from DC Black Label next year. Uh, I don't, can't remember how many issues it's going to be. So, but it's going to be the you know Black Label like Batman Damned, mm-hmm. uh, or the White Knight, or White Knight. The uh, I think it's just called Batman: The Three Jokers. It's from Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok, I think. Uh, well, while you're looking it up, uh, after discussion of, I mean, do you have anything else you want to bring up, or do you want to jump into cocktails? Uh, I mean, just I mean we. We've kind of talked about everything. I mean, we've we've dug pretty deep in the book, and again, if you if you are especially if you're a Joker fan, this is like 
one of the best stories you can read because as we said it really dives into his psyche and you know what makes the feud between him and batman last and exist so cocktails uh mine is called laugh a minute which <laughs> this book is definitely not laugh a minute but what are you talking uh, about? it's hilarious it's the Joker... there's so many yeah, jokes exactly. in it uh, not very funny ones. Uh, so it is one ounce of cherry vodka, one ounce of Rosso vermouth, half ounce of amaretto almond liqueur, and two ounces of lemonade. You're going to shake all the alcohol to get, together and strain it into a an old-fashioned glass half filled with broken ice, and then you add the lemonade and serve. Uh, Mr. Maya, what is your cocktail? Oh, uh, my cocktail is called the Joker. So before you make the drink you're going to make, uh, this is another uh, infused vodka drink. Uh, you're going to make grape Jolly Rancher infused vodka. Basically, you're going to take 10 to 12 purple Jolly Ranchers, put them in a sealable jar or bottle, uh, add a one and a half cups of vodka, seal it, shake it, and let it sit overnight or until the candy fully dissolves when you shake the bottle. Uh, chill it until you're ready to use it. And then you're going to take three ounces of that, uh, a quarter ounce of lime juice, and put it in a Collins glass with ice, uh, stir it, and then fill it with seltzer, and then garnish with a lime slice. That's beautifully simple and interesting. I want to try that. Uh, the picture that I found is delicious looking. I'm sure it is. The problem is there's a lot of sugar in that, and I can't have that on my diet, God damn it. Uh, Mr. Adam, would you like to give us your cocktail, which was the inspiration for me adding in a fourth song to our playlist? Exactly. So mine's called uh, Ice Fingers Go Would Drive Me Crazy, because that's kind of fun. Uh, you take a glass filled with ice. You add one ounce of light rum, one ounce of coconut rum, one ounce of banana liqueur, one ounce of cranberry juice, one ounce of pineapple juice, and you stir. And that's about it. Okay. Final grades. So we'll jump into final grades. Um, we will start out with uh, self-contained. Even though this is part of an ongoing series, how self-contained is that? I will actually give this pretty high marks on that. I'm going to say I'll actually give it an A for self-contained because I, I mean, it's been a while since I've read all this stuff, but I pulled this back off my shelf and I didn't have to remember a whole ton. Um, I think all the information you need is in there from the beginning, and I think that it has a good ending on its own, so that's my personal opinion. Uh, Mr. Maya, what's your grade for self-contained? Uh, I'm going to give give it an A as well. Um, it does reference... I mean, the, the, things that it re- the things that you need to know, it does reference, so like you don't need to have read anything else to get it. I was going to say, it does talk about you know, you know the Joker cutting his face off, or letting the Dollmaker cut his face off, and it you know briefly mentions the Court of Owls, um, because Batman had just finished dealing with them, but yeah, you really don't need to know anything else. Yeah. Uh, cool. And Mr. Adam, uh, I'll do an A as well. I mean, this yes, of course, you, it helps to know Batman's history, and and you know, if you would have read the previous stuff Scott Snyder was doing, that's really great too. But this has one whole, uh, one big story arc, and then sets things up for you know, like, like my said, Batman kind of being alone for a while after all this. So it's it's definitely just one good story. Okay. Writing grade. Cool. For Scott Snyder for writing, what is your grade, Mr. Adam? Uh, I'll go with an A as well. I mean, this just shows the Joker's personality and his psychosis better than I think I've ever seen it. And it's truly horrifying, scary. And as I said, like the scene with the, the tapestry, once I finally realized what it was happening, it freaked the fuck out of me. So very few comics are able to do that, even when we do the horror ones. I mean, this one is definitely scarier than most stuff we did in October. So really good job for Scott Snyder. Well, um, I'm going to go with actually an A minus just because I felt like there were some very talky wordy scenes that weren't completely necessary. I kind of wish they would have moved on just a little bit with them. But I think the overall plot um, and what goes on in the story, I think is 
quite disturbing. It's just there's a few things that it got a little wordy and got a little bit bogged down. It was kind of it felt like trudging through a few scenes. Uh, Mr. Maya. Uh, I'm gonna give it an A as well. This is one of my favorite Batman stories, at least of uh, recent memory. And uh, yeah, we're just, I'm gonna go with an A. Okay. Art grade. Uh, for Greg Capullo, um, I, th- I think that's the main one. And Jonathan, what Gardion? Glapion? Glapion. Glapion. Uh, I'm assuming he does art. I didn't. I just know his name's on the front cover. Um, I believe he's the colorist. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, that makes sense. Oh, oh, he did. He did the. He did the backups that James Tynion wrote. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So like the the Joker and Harley and Joker and Riddler, Joker and Penguin. Okay. Uh, th- those stories. Okay, cool. But so for art, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Maya? Uh, also an A. Uh, Capullo and, and uh, Glapion. Glapion. I I apologize if we're mispronouncing that. Uh, I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, I will also say with an A, I think this is really good, really creepy, really great Batman art. Um, uh, and then Mr. Adam. I will go with an A as well. I mean, this like the visuals in this are just as important as the story, and it's it's graphic, it's gross, uh, but never goes to the point where it's way over the top. It's almost like watching an episode of Hannibal, where you can't look away even though you want to, uh-huh. but it's it just beautifully well well done so final grades and then so for final overall grades what is your grade mr adam uh, i'll go with an a i mean like i said the first time i read this back in single issues i didn't really like the ending too much i didn't i thought it was anticlimactic but this is definitely one you'd want to read as a graphic novel as one whole story i mean sit down and read it from start to finish don't take breaks you really kind of need to follow along uh and it's terrifying it's grotesque but also one of the best batman stories i've ever read so Okay, and uh, Mr. Maya? Uh, I'm right there with an A. There isn't really too much more I can say uh, why that I haven't already said. Okay. I'm actually going to give it an A- minus just because I felt like there were some moments in there that were trudgy for me, um, going back and rereading it. from uh, More from the writing aspect, from for, for the art aspect, but overall I liked it. Grade point average. Um, that gives us our overall GPA of a 3.9, so just barely below an A. I'm sorry I ruined the grade point average for everybody. Shame. Uh, I know. That's how it goes. Next week on Funny Books on Firewater. Next week? What are we doing next week? Um, Is it Lumberjanes? I think we are. Let me double check that. So next month, we, uh, in honor of uh, Todd's little girl being born, we are doing a collection of books of girls who kick ass uh, for Todd's little girl to be born. Uh, so we're doing uh, that. So we are going to start out the month with Lumberjanes, which is a recent find of mine that I'm absolutely in love with, and I will preview that in just a second. Uh, we're also doing Rat Queens, which I believe is a recommendation from Todd. We're going to do uh, the first uh, collection of Captain Marvel by Kelly Sue DeConnick. And the fourth one, we're going to be doing Gwenpool, which is a, a fun, newer book that I've also discovered as well. Uh, so Lumberjanes, um, this is actually a Christmas present I'm giving to my nieces as well. Um, I love this book. Uh, it's about a, uh, a Girl Scout camp where there are a bunch of uh, weird creatures in the woods and these girls are sort of like brave and go off and find these things and, you know, figure out what the uh, what's going on with these different um, demons and monsters in the woods and whatnot while all their camp, their camp counselors are back at camp terrified. Um, and they're, they're just a fun variety of characters. Uh, it's just a really fun book. Like, I just, I enjoy the hell of it. It's not super deep. It's not gonna, it might change the world in a weird little way, but it's, it's just a fun book. So, uh, I'm excited for everybody else to get a chance to read that. Recommendations. If you like Joker stories, 
Uh, I'm going to recommend a single issue uh, for you. It's on Comixology for two bucks, uh, or it's also in a collection. Um, I'll tell you which one in a second. But Batman number 663 uh, was a Grant. It was the the first issue Grant Morrison did right just after he did the, his first arc, the Batman and Son. Uh, it's an entirely prose issue of Batman. Um, it was released, you know, like a normal normal comic book form, but it's a prose issue, and it's a really cool Joker story. Um, and it is in the Batman and Son uh, trade paperback, which includes mm. a lot of stuff in it, which is actually super cheap on in stock trades right now. Okay, it's like tw- it's like twelve bucks. And Mister Adam. Yeah, so I definitely do. So I mentioned the beginning or towards the beginning of the episode, I would do a quick review of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So when this comes out, it should be in theaters for a week or two. Uh, they showed it to us two weeks in advance, and they're showing it again this weekend. I'm taking Maya. Nice. Yay. So I'm to see it. So uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is an animated film. It's the first to portray uh, on the big screen Miles Morales nice. as Spider-Man. So uh, this was in Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, this was produced by Brian Michael Bendis, and it's it's firmly set in the Ultimate Universe because you've got like the Dragon Green Goblin. Um, I guess everyone already kind of knows. Like, well, I, I won't spoil anything because it's half the fun seeing it. Uh, but something happens where you know Miles Morales gets bit by the spider, starts developing powers, and then somehow, some way, due to stuff that Kingpin is doing, these dimensions uh, collide, and all of a sudden, you've got other Spider-Men in the world. So you've got kind of older washed up Spider-Man you've got Spider-Man Noir you've got Spider-Ham all working with him to train him so he can go eventually and defeat uh, the Kingpin so this is the best comic book movie ever made uh, the cinematography the way he set it up is like it's like you're watching a comic come to life on screen so you know like almost like the, the bang powers you got from like the Batman 66 are in it you've got uh, the way it, it transitions between scenes and the way it's animated feels exactly like a comic book. I'm going to go on a limb here and say this is also the best Spider-Man movie they've ever made. Hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, irreverent. It it, it it you know takes advantage of the fact that you know we've had some not so great Spider-Man movies. This does take place in a universe that accepts that Spider-Man three happened, and they make fun of it. <laughs> uh, and it's just beautiful and perfect and amazing and I can't wait to go see it again uh, it's funny because I'm a member like I said before of the Utah Film Critic Association so we're talking about you know doing nominations and awards for movies and so right before we walked in one of the other critics was like hey so uh, for best animated movie make sure you watch this film and we all got out and we're like uh, there's no need to watch any of their movies this is easily going to win best animated film and I could easily see it uh, at least getting nominated the Oscars and possibly taking it because really this it's it's perfectly done there is an after credit scene it's hilarious uh half people got up and walked out i'm like have you never been to a superhero movie what the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> yeah uh it's nearly flawed it's, it's two hours long doesn't feel it it flies by it's hilarious it's heartfelt there's some great stuff with family in there um especially because we have marshall ali playing the voice of miles morales's uncle who we all know is the prowler mm-hmm. um you know lily tomlin is mary, mary uh, may parker uh Haley steinfeld is gwen stacy it's just a lot of fun, and this is something that your kids are going to love. Uh, I think it'll get a whole new bunch of people excited for this, and it's amazing. I can't wait to go see it again. Uh, out of ten, I'm like at a nine point five. Jesus, this is That's easily awesome. one of the best things I've seen all year, and I'll be throwing it up for best animated and uh, best cinematography because there's there's a scene we I'm sure we all saw from the trailer where Spider-Man jumps off a building and he's falling down, but they shoot to make it look like he's flying up, 
and it's uh-huh. like just a one second shot but it's just one of probably 50 scenes in this movie that i want to like freeze frame print up on like a, a poster and like mount on my wall because it's just mm-hmm. a gorgeous movie so go go see it if you've already seen it take your friends i uh, go see it again it's fantastic and john mulaney as spider ham is one of the greatest things in the world i figured it'd be john mulaney that's actually pretty awesome voice casting and yeah, then nick cage is a uh, spider-man noir and he's kind of oh, doing like he? a he's doing like a <laughs> A Nick Offerman impersonation. So I first oh, thought right. it was Nick Offerman, but then it's like, oh, that's that's Nicholas Cage. So it's, it, it I, I can't say enough good things about this. Go see it. That's pretty awesome. Have I recommended um, Giant Days on this show yet? Well, if you have, you can always do it again. Well, I'm gonna recommend it again because it's what I've been recently addicted to. Spider uh, Giant Days is a, a it's from Giant or from Boom Studios. It's from Boombox. They're sort of their indie line, I guess. Uh, for lack of a better term, even though they are an independent comic book publisher, but Boombox um, is more of their like uh, teenage line. Okay, well, so, so okay, so it's from the because they, they have they have Kaboom, which is their kids line, Boombox, which is kind of their their teen line, and then just regular okay. Boom. Okay, so this is from Boombox, which would probably be a little bit of their older teens, I would say. Uh, I mean, it depends, but uh, like. My niece is almost a teenager, and she's a little young to read this, but she's also a little naive. But um, uh, it's about three girls in their first year of college. It's uh, set in England, so it has a little bit of a British tint to it, but not a ton. And it's just about those weird things of, uh, uh, you know, life as a new college student and going through, like, first being out of your parents' house and first living alone and all sorts of stuff. There's uh, one scene that I just read in Volume 3 that I loved where it's this girl who stays up so long doing homework and something like that she starts to have weird delusions and starts to kind of lose it and ends up running into the strange cult of people who worship the nighttime and stuff like that it's bizarre and funny and really heartfelt and it's like the characters are very they feel very real you really like them um you want them to do well uh but they're all three kind of very different kind of women um and that's just i i really enjoy the hell out of this book so i i've, I've just i bought the third trade already i'm probably gonna buy more trades on in stock trades here as soon as we get off the show because i'm i thought you were mine anymore <sighs> i deleted everything off of that one order that i had while we we're sitting <laughs> here doing the show because i'm trying to be better hey if you don't if you don't have batman and son you should add that on while you're i already have that yeah <laughs> um no but uh yeah so there's that so anyway so i think that'll do it for this week i guess anybody else have anything else no no i think that's it Cool. Awesome. Uh, congratulations, Todd and Amy, because uh, by the time this comes out, you will definitely have a kid, hopefully. Otherwise, that is the longest delivery and process, because uh, we're recording this several weeks in advance. So, for the love of God, I hope you have the kid by then. Um, anyway, and uh, hopefully Todd will be back next week. If not, we'll give him some paternity leave off the show. We're not going to hold that over his head too long. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> Adam will. but uh, I will, too. Anyway. Well, we're, we're, also a month, we're a month out now, so he's, he's got some time. He's got a little bit of time, yeah, for sure. Um, and then coming up in January, we'll, not January, I guess, we'll probably end up being stuff for uh, February. We'll probably have a few live episodes because I'm going to come out and visit the, the V one and uh, I'll visit the uh, the other ones as well. That would be you and Maya, Adam. <laughs> so, uh, you're the other ones. Yeah, the other uh, ones. Yeah, the other yeah. ones. I'll, be, I'll see the V ones and the other ones and it will be lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was for you, William. Have a drink. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.